Welcome back, Cowdies fans, to episode 55 of the Chirpin' Yotes podcast, your favorite fan-made podcast. Join me, as always, is Matt and Grandy. Haynes is out today. Shoot back next week. Uh, boys, how are we doing? Fantastic, guys. How are you? Doing really well. Just watching some playoff hockey. Dreaming of dreaming of my Yotes will be in them. Hopefully soon. Hopefully. We'll be the Suns. You know, I had the Suns game on for a little bit, but a little too distracting for this. So we'll hopefully take the win tonight. Good luck tonight, the Suns. Uh, let's first start off with, I put a poll up on my Twitter. Uh, pull those results up for you. Just asking about the play-in like we did on last podcast. Um, of the 33 votes, 42% to include the me and Randy said, we should do a play-in tournament, and 58% are Matt saying, and I guess Haynes, uh, saying, no, we don't need a play-in tournament. So, I guess I'll ask this, boys. Uh, the start poll with you, got Matt. it right. Does you don't have result... to ask. The poll got it right. That's exactly That's what I was going to ask. Okay. That's all I have to say. Okay. The poll got it right. Uh, and I would politely is, disagree. Man, when... All i got to say is, man, when the hockey fans become baseball fans, so my in tradition that they're going to let the sport die. Oh boy, that was he came out with the claws today, Grandy. Well, what do you what do you mean? You want to elaborate on that for him? What are you what are you talking about? Oh, no, 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 you no. We're just doing quick hits. We're just doing quick hits. I'm just tired of okay. watching the sports stagnate and get passed up by the outlets and popularity and views. Yeah, oh, I will say when uh, that, Adidas decided to keep MLS and dump NHL, that was a pretty tough sight to see. So hopefully we do get that plan and start getting the uh, the new fans in. But speaking of newness and good things like that, we have the Senators pick to discuss along with the U18s. And I think, uh, Matt, I think that is something you wanted to cover specifically. So I'm going to hand the floor over to you. All right. So anybody who listened last week, uh, you guys heard me pose a question to Grandy. What happens when the Senators pick, not when, sorry, if, the Senators pick becomes a lottery pick and the Coyotes forfeit that pick and it becomes an unprotected pick in 2024. How confident are you going into the 2024 defensive heavy draft with an unprotected pick for a Senators team who's probably poised to make the playoffs next season? Are you okay with that? Are you unbelievably upset about that? Where do you land? Grandy? Here's my thinking with it is the Senators are going to be a good team. There's no doubt about that. But what makes us so sure they're going to be a playoff team next year? Um, we have them, the Sabres, and the Red Wings that are all looking to make jumps again next year. Now, the Sabres and the Senators are much closer than the Red Wings are, but the Red Wings could make a move that this offseason and kind of surprise us with that. Does getting family or dog leapfrog the Senators over the Sabres and one of the teams currently in the playoffs? I'm not, I'm not so sold that it does, at least not year one. I'm not entirely sold that the playoff next year. I think what's getting forgotten about, though, is that they're going to have Josh Norris back next season. Um, they haven't had him at all this season. Now, granted, they've still got some issues goaltending-wise, but we're talking about an Ottawa team who was actually 
pretty good up until the final stretch of the season, who will have Jacob Chikrin for a full season, as opposed to a couple of, well, as, as, as long of a season as he stays healthy for. Um, they'll have Jacob Chikrin. Um, if they do end up with a lottery pick, it's Bedard or Fantilli, and they get Josh Norris back. And Josh Norris isn't some, you know, fourth liner that they were lacking all year. So, no, it's not a foregone thought that Ottawa is going to make the playoffs. But to me, I'd be leaning towards saying, yeah, if we don't end up with the 12th pick this year, there's a good chance Ottawa's pick next year somewhere between 16 and 24. Um, even if they do make the playoffs next year, I don't think they're going beyond the first round. So it becomes one of those eight picks. Um, who do you like in a defensive heavy draft? You know, or not so much who do you like? You know, it's obviously very early to say, but are you confident in that 16 to 24 range? Um, or, you know, even a little higher, maybe it, it does work out that they don't make the playoffs. Are you confident in next year's draft being defensive heavy, not getting to pick twice in such a loaded draft this year? Am I confident we'll find a better defenseman at 16 through 24 than we would at 12? Yes. Am I confident we find a better player at 16 through 24 than we would at 12? No. The defenseman, once you can pass Reinbacher and Sandy and Palica, there's some good defensemen sprinkled throughout the draft, but any of them would be real reaches, in my opinion, at 12. So, addressing the need-wise, getting the defenseman in next year's draft, I think would be better than getting the defenseman in this year's draft. But some of these forwards we're talking about at 12, based on, I was just listening to a podcast from Corey Pronman and Chris Peters, and both of them said they believe your boy, your draft crush, Oliver Moore, is an early teens pick. That puts him right in that 12th pick territory. That would be a hell of a get at 12. Um, I was expected to go anywhere from 10 to 15. That would be another hell of a get at 12. There's so many players right now that look like almost top, top six locks at that 12th spot that we'd be getting a better player this year. I think a more impactful one this year just not at a defensive position so it sounds like to me you'd rather have pick 12 this year and taking a forward even though that may not be a need than let's say having 12 next year and getting a defenseman uh if if one were transit to the other if you knew you were going to have 12 in this year or next you'd much rather have it this year I would because I do believe you need defense, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, the, you need more forwards than you need defensemen. You need 12 forwards. You need nine of them to at least have scoring capability if you want to truly compete in the NHL this, this day and age. You need three-line role. Whereas, whereas for defense, you're not going to get a top-pairing guy more than likely. They can always surprise, but you're not going to get that number one key defenseman at 12 more than likely. Um, you're going to get a good defenseman there, and based on next year, you're, there's a possibility in the first pairing. 
based on how the looks are for here this early. It all can change, but it looks like you're going to get a good defense at 12. I just think that the forward, I think because of the mess of the defense for our prospect pool, we're ignoring the fact that we don't have enough high impact forwards yet to really truly get out of the rebuild yet. And it's just, it all boils back down to the same thing of we're just not at that stage of the rebuild to be looking at drafting for need, whereas just taking the best available player. I agree with you there. I, I definitely do think the pipeline is good at the top, but it's not quite deep enough yet. So whether you're taking a defenseman or a forward, you've got to go best player available. The Coyotes have to get deeper there. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, I guess, 1 being not upset at all and 10 being very upset, if Ottawa's pick becomes lottery, where do you find yourself? Six. Like I said, I have my personal draft crush, Colby Barlow, who should be available with that pick. Uh, I love Oliver Moore, just not as much as you do, so I'd be thrilled with him at that pick, too, if he's if these guys are there. So I'd be disappointed. But at the same time, there is that little inkling in me that tells me the Senators still have an uphill uphill battle to climb to win in the to win next year. There's ever yeah. that chance that they could win. Yeah, absolutely. Win the lottery and you know, the pick is completely unprotected. So yep. go ahead. Absolutely. And, and they're still a young team. I mean, we saw with New Jersey last year being a young team and they still weren't a great team and they end up winning the lottery. But they had a ton of great pieces like Ottawa has now and they didn't quite get over but that hump. So there's a very good chance Ottawa's the same scenario. Just real quick, talking about that Ottawa thing too, with, yes, Josh Norris is coming back. Who's a better, more impact player, Brinkett or Norris? And it sounds like there's real trouble in Ottawa with the Brinkett. Yeah, it, it sounds like he may not be back. That, you know, he could potentially strong-arm the team into moving him. He is an RFA, so the team does have leverage, but... Yeah, I, there there has been reports that Tabrinkit's not, you know, overly interested in signing anything long term. We could be looking at a Matthew Kachuk type situation in Ottawa. So who knows? You think the Kari's jump in on Tabrinkit, or is something we're too far back in the too rebuild soon. for like a better words? Too soon? Yeah, that's why I kind of. I, I think it's too soon on. I, if you look at what the Coyotes would have to give up, Ottawa's probably not looking for picks. They're going to look for an NHL impactful type player. Um, now, I've been the biggest defender in Nick Arizona needs to hold on Schmaltz. to Nick Schmaltz. But... I was going to say, actually, yeah, <laughs> but... Nick Schmaltz is a good trade piece. But here's here's the thing. If you're Arizona, Debrinket has to be a sign-in trade. You can't do what Ottawa just did and sell off uh, the number seven overall pick, which turned into Kevin Korchinski. Um, in addition to a few other picks, to get a player who may not want to be there, who signs for a year, you know, just to get himself to UFA. So if oh, you're like the, the Coyotes, yeah, I mean, if, if exactly. you're the Coyotes the and you're, you're interested, I, well, I mean, the Coyotes did it with Taylor Hall. Uh, they oh, gave right. up a yeah. first round, 
pick to New Jersey who becomes Dawson Mercer, who would be phenomenal in Arizona right now, to get Taylor Hall to go on a run where they lose to Colorado in five games in their only playoff appearance in the last 10 years, and they have nothing to show for it. Kevin Ball's in the playoffs right now, starting for New Jersey. Dawson Mercer in the playoffs, starting for New Jersey. Taylor Hall's in Boston. If you're Arizona, you can't do that. Keep in mind, too, with that Arizona team that made that playoffs, under the play-in rules I proposed, they wouldn't even make the play-in in that. So it's not even like... They, no, they really, no, they they weren't that. They team. got incredibly lucky. Yeah, they got incredibly lucky to even make the five game playoff series versus Colorado. So if you're Arizona, maybe you you know you can offer up Schmaltz, but you've got to get permission from Ottawa to talk to to Brinkett and find out if he's even willing to sign because you can't do what Ottawa just did and move Nick Schmaltz. Because it's not just Schmaltz. The the Coyotes probably have to give up a little more to bring it being younger, a better goal scorer. It's going to be Schmaltz plus. If you think he can be a part of your core and he's willing to sign here and be part of your core, you can go that route. But the reality is I, I can't imagine to bring it looks at Arizona and goes, yeah, I'm willing to sign long term when he's got arbitration rights in Ottawa. And, you know, he's one year away from being a UFA and hitting the open market. You know, and, that and that doesn't make let's sense. Let's be me. real. Let's be real. He wants to win, too. He, he wants to win. He absolutely and does. Ottawa is closer than the Coyotes. They will no. be in the playoffs before the Coyotes. Yeah. Yeah, even with quite the honestly. So let's just say... For some reason, the cards of the hockey gods just say, yep, Debrinkhead, he wants to come in and he wants to sign. He wants to be part of your core. Mm-hmm. What would that mean for this upcoming draft and, and the rebuild overall? Would that speed it up? Would that kind of put a wrench in it? Would that derail it? What, what would that? What would Debrinkhead on the Coyote signing look like? It's, it's a weird situation there because we saw this with the Coyotes trading for Hall and Kessel. If you end the rebuild to... Or, Sorry, not end the rebuild, but if you think you're farther along in the rebuild than you actually are, and you go out and acquire what you think are finishing pieces and the core isn't ready yet, um, you put yourself back in mediocrity. I don't think to bring it by himself is enough to pull the Coyotes into mediocrity, especially if you're shipping off Nick, Nick Schmaltz to get him. But... At the same time, I don't think it's quite like those trades because Debrinkit is younger than Schmaltz. So I do think he fits the timeline better. Um, I don't necessarily think it gives up on the rebuild to bring him in unless you're shipping out, you know, a, a 2024 first round pick or, you know, something along the, or you're shipping out a prospect like, yeah, we'll give you Debrinkit, but you have to give up Dylan Gunther and a second-round pick. Well, no, that's that's bad for the rebuild. So there's a lot of moving pieces there in terms of what would work and what wouldn't. Um, you can't go and give up picks and prospects right now. The Brinkett plug into this current lineup would be our second-best player. There's not a doubt 
out about it. He could even potentially challenge Keller for first. I still think Keller's better. But he's not a good enough player to truly impact winning in that much of a positive way that he takes you to where you need to go. He'd, I think the Taylor Hall trade is a great equivalent of it where he's a finishing piece. He's a piece that helps take Boston from really good to cup tender. He's not a piece that takes a middling team from middling team to contender. Um, and he's not the piece that can take a bad, bad team from bad to playoffs. No, so, ultimately he hurts the team more because he takes them from being a bad team to now a team that's picking 15 next year as opposed they, to they, picking it, 8 next year. It doomed the Coyotes to the squishy middle where they've been for 75% of their existence. So that's, that's just a scary place for me. Yeah, and Worst. And if you go beyond that, I don't think he fits Armstrong's mold. I, you know, he's he's an undersized winger. He is a finisher, but I don't think he's a guy that Armstrong's willing to give up pieces for, big pieces, I should say, to get. Um, he doesn't doesn't look like he fits the long term. Uh, Grandy pointed out at last year's draft that Logan Cooley was the first pick Armstrong made under six feet. So mm. yeah, to bring it I phenomenal player. I don't think he fits the mold. Um, even after Cooley, you know, Armstrong goes out and gets geeky and Lamoureux who are six, four and six, seven. There's an obvious bias towards size. And I, I couldn't see Armstrong willing to give up potential picks or bigger prospects for to bring it. Well, that was. So, but moving forward, um, U18s started um, quite a few first round talents in this year's draft, some in next year's draft, some pieces looking to move into the first round. Um, The big game or I shouldn't call it a big game. It we're still in round robin, but the big surprise, uh, Sweden knocked off Canada eight, nothing two of Sweden's potential prospects, um, Otto Stenberg and Axel Sandin Pelika had phenomenal games. Stenberg had two goals, two assists, Sandin Pelika, a goal and four assists and Sweden absolutely rolled Canada. Um, Grandy, what are your thoughts on Stenberg moving forward? So, Stenberg, I watched the game. I didn't watch it live. I watched the replay of it. And Stenberg looked absolutely amazing. Just impacting the game at all levels. His defense that play, I thought, really flew under the radar. I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. But his defense game was on point. Um, Obviously, they held... Canada to zero goals, but it's it was just it was a really strong game. Now the worst thing you can do in the scouting world is take game sample sizes and wildly change how you view players. 
Rangers, but I already marked Stenberg as a guy to watch as a second round pick with our second round pick. And what this game told me, I don't think he'll be there. Just like I think what the Sanding Pelican game said is what I feared and what we talked about for the last two pods now I think of, I don't think he'll make it out of the top ten. I think this game kind of confirms those fears. So it's how upset bummer, would you be how upset would you be if the coyotes took Sandin Pelica at six? Or let's say let's say a team behind them leaps them like um Detroit in the lottery and the coyotes pick seven. How upset would you be if Sandin Pelica is that pick based on what you saw today? It greatly depends. If you're passing up on Will Smith Mishkov, I'm upset about. But in the long run, I don't think there's anybody else in the draft. And this includes Zach Benson, largely for the same size related issues, but, um, and just the fit with GMBA's team. But I don't think that there's any reason to not look at either of Ryan Bacher or Sandy Pelica at six if those two are gone. Yeah, I agree. I So it's not really a secret that I've been bigger on Sandin Pelica than I have on Reinwalker. I, I I see all the the same thing that everybody sees in Reinwalker. He's a phenomenal, complete defenseman. Um, I think one of the biggest things the Coyotes lack on the back end is that guy that can make that breakout, that zone entry that quarterbacks the power play at a very high level. Not not just, you know, your what we saw from Ekman Larson for a while or from Goss Despair, but that can do it all. And I think Sandin Pelica fits that mold. He's not your Adam Pellick type shutdown defenseman. Um, but he skates so well. He's got great vision, great hockey IQ. There's so many things about his game that he showed off today against Sweden that make you realize why he's probably going to go in the top 10 when earlier this year, you know, he was in the mid-20s. Um, you know, Guliev, um, Simashev, there, there were quite a few defensemen ahead of him to start the year. He has flown up the board. He had a phenomenal game against Canada. And while we're on the subject of defensemen, Dragasevich and Cameron Allen for Canada, they didn't look great today. And Cameron Allen has fallen quite a bit. He's another guy who I think the Coyotes should be looking at. Granny and I have talked about this a few times. He's a guy who maybe makes it to the third round at this point who was potentially a first-round pick. Mike Gould talked about him, uh, if anybody remembers that episode, uh, as you know, a guy who started the year off as a, a teens pick, you know, somewhere between 10 and 20. Could be a great steal for the Coyotes. It could be, because those types of players, it seems like one of two things happens. Either it was a rough year, and they bounce back normal, and you're at a great steal. Uh, a player who should have gone around before, not earlier. Kind of like uh, 
uh, Rati for the Islanders, or there's countless guys like this that have fallen due to one bad year and then immediately Brad Lambert back up to last year. Brad Lam- yeah, Brad Lambert. If you're watching these playoffs, watching Brad Lambert and Dylan Gunther connect so often is just makes you wish what might have been, but that's not here nor there. Yeah, um, two two picks away. Maverick Lamaru went at twenty seven. Lambert went at twenty five. Uh, sorry, Lam Lambert. Um, pronunciation means everything to some I, players. Brad Lambert. Uh, he went at twenty five to Winnipeg. Yeah, I pick Thrashers. Uh, the Salt yeah, Lake City was, helicopters. <laughs> that was that was. A, that was a heartbreak. But back to the point of the matter, they could very easily beat Cam Allen this year, who just had a bad year, who needs us to shake things up and bounce back to normal next year. Or the other thing that seemed to happen with these guys is this is just who they are. They couldn't progress with everybody else in their class, and they get left behind. If you're talking about a third-round pick, that is a pick you take 10 out of 10 times. Worst case scenario, you got somebody who isn't going to make the NHL. Best case scenario, you got a guy who's going to be a rock solid addition to your top four. Um, with the third round pick, there's so many, there's so few guys that hit already. Take that chance. Take that chance if he's there. Yeah, and and the Coyotes have four picks in the third round this year. So let's say Cameron Allen's sitting there at 55 or 60, and you're looking at the back end of the second round. You're not giving up a lot. If you pair, you know, two third round picks to move up to 57 and take a guy like Cameron Allen, who in the past has flashed all of that potential to be a top four defenseman who right now, maybe he's, you know, a uh, second line or a third line defenseman, but if you can pull those guys later, and granted I say later, but at the end of the second round, if you can get those guys out of the second round in the draft, you haven't wasted a pick. If you think about all of the teams and all the players that are drafted at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round, how many of them are NHLers? Take the chance. One thing, so I have a question for you, Matt, with this. If he goes back to what he used to be, if he goes back to that high-level top 15 in this year's loaded draft type guy, is he the best defenseman in their system, potential-wise? Counting Valamaki and Moser. If he's the only defenseman they took, he's right there with Valamaki. Um, If the Coyotes decide they're going to take... Reinbacher or Sandin Pelico with a uh, earlier pick, or if they grab a guy like Oliver Bonk or um, you know Simashev or Dragasevich with their early second round pick, those guys I think are a little bit ahead of him. But yeah, I I do think those are I I think he could rival Valamaki at that point, but we'll see. I mean. Uh, there's been plenty of guys who have been that that guy that you think is 
the steal of the draft because he fell in his draft year and he hasn't panned out. Um, but moving on in the U18, U.S. defeated Latvia 7-1. to A couple of guys in the top there um, who had great games. Will Smith, two goals. Oliver Moore, a goal and an assist. Um, but more importantly, a couple of guys in next year's draft. Um, Cole uh, Iserman, unbelievable release. He had a goal. He should go number two next year. Um, Cole Hudson, three assists. He's another guy who's going to be probably a top 15 pick. Uh, left shot defenseman, younger brother Elaine Hudson. Another guy who's undersized. Uh, great game for USA. Unfortunately, it's against Latvia. We'll see how they do when they play a little stiffer competition. But when you talk about the the two big guys in this year's draft in Oliver Moore and Will Smith, uh, Grandy, what do you think? I think they all showed exactly what we thought, exactly what we expected. Uh, Will Smith looked great, dynamic. Oliver Moore showed off his speed, his skating, and looked dynamic doing so. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, so far, it's a great start to the tournament for U.S., terrible start for canada you lose eight nothing to be fair chl playoffs are still going some of the u18 players are still playing in canada um we'll see if anybody joins the team as things go along but right now i'm really happy to say congrats sweden way to stick it to canada yeah absolutely i guess uh is that i guess it'd be Canada kind of losing its grip on the hockey world. I think we're kind of seeing more U.S. I know, like, what was it last year? We had the record for U.S.-born, you know, players. Is that just a sign of just everyone catching up, in air quotes, to Canada? Yeah, I, I think hockey's growing in the United States, so that's that's a big part of it. Um, when you talk about the number of countries that contribute to the NHL, most of them are dwarfed in population by Canada. So I don't know that we'll see like Sweden or Finland or Austria or those countries catch up just because there's not enough people there, but it is a good sign for the U S uh, they just, they continue to, to see a leap in U S born players in the NHL. And it's great for the game. One, uh, you know, one thing I want to, one thing I want to point out too with that, is another thing that you're starting to see that you never saw previously. The best Arizona born players? The second best well, <laughs> not, not that, but the second yeah. best Canadian in this year's draft went to the NCAA. The best Canadian in next year's draft went to the USHL <laughs> and is going to the NCAA. You're seeing Canada guys go the American route now, which is something Something you never saw before. Actually, I think Shane Doan commented on that too. They talked about his son. I think I don't know if it was like his first year or second. I don't remember, but I know he said that too. Like back when he was going, that wasn't something you did, but now it's becoming like you just said. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Good for us. Yeah the the U.S. program, USHL, and the U.S. National Development Team. Those programs have grown considerably over the last couple of years, and it's great to see. A, a system that, you know, you used to see a couple of players who absolutely dominated it. And you'd wonder, is that because of the talent around them and the lack of competition? 
or are these players for real? And now you have a league where you actually have NHL potential and you have players from Canada who are looking at it going, wow, you know, I might get some top six minutes playing for the Chicago Steel or, you know, whoever. I'm going to go play in the U.S. because that league is on par with, you know, the CHL, whether it's the WHL, OHL. Um, I, I don't want to say the Quebec League is the, like, redheaded stepchild. It's not quite on par with the rest of the CHL. But, yeah, the, the U.S. has come a long way in its hockey programs. And it's great to see Canadian players come here as much as or as often as U.S. players cross the border to go play in the CHL. Hear that, Canada? We can share. We'll make them better, but we can share. Well, that's fine. Canada, I'd like you to know that the USHL doesn't have a shitty agreement. It's a dollar in the jar. Where, you know, they have to go back to juniors as opposed to the AHL. You guys should work on that. Also work on, uh, you know, drafting more Arizona players. We love it when you do it, Toronto. Thank you very much for your advertising. So, speaking of playoffs in Toronto, who will probably bounce this first round, insert old... Actually, I'll put a dollar in the jar for that old joke, too. Uh, so the playoffs are going on right now. Anything surprising? Any surprising games? I know, obviously, game one and two is pretty much happened. Anything surprising? Anything catch you? Um, besides the Islanders... Well, actually, they're not surprised, but Islanders have been... Oof, rough stuff to watch. Poor buddy. But anyways, you guys have anything you want to add on that? Any surprises? Meltdowns? One surprise to me is I expected this Tampa series, this Tampa-Toronto series to be a whole series of series, and it's been two blowouts going the opposite direction so far. That's That's been kind of a shocking thing to me. But See, the score was tonight. 7-2, Toronto. Wow, Toronto put up 7? Wow. Yeah, so I'm surprised. That that's a good surprise to me. The other surprise is how well Seattle has skated with Colorado. They have not looked out of place in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. I still think Colorado takes that series, but Seattle looks like they belong. They are proving themselves. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I I agree with you there. Colorado's looked a little out of sorts. I actually think they've done more to beat themselves. Then Seattle's done to beat them. Um, the passes just don't look crisp. If you're not, you know, Nathan McKinnon or Miko Rantanen, the the goals haven't come. Uh, now, granted, Nichushkin scored tonight. They've gotten some some secondary scoring tonight as they they pick up their first win in the series. But um, Colorado has looked to beat themselves. I think more than Seattle's done to beat them. Not to take away from Seattle. It's been a great first year in the playoffs for them. And I think it goes to, um, you know, especially Matty Beneers, the the things this is going to bring and do to his confidence. Um, It's a great year for Seattle. Uh, The big surprise to me has been New Jersey falling behind to New York two games to none. Um, They lose five to one again tonight. New Jersey was the fourth highest scoring team in the league this year, and they've got two goals in the playoffs. And yes, they're going against Shesterkin. He's a phenomenal goalie, one of the best in the world. 
but he hasn't had to play out of his mind. New Jersey just hasn't played well against New York after going 3-0-1 in the regular season against the Rangers. That's been the biggest surprise of the playoffs to me so far. I'm all in for the Kraken, by the way. All in. I believe yeah, the, and believe. The Seahawks play there, so not me. Yeah, I mean, I don't like that, but I don't know. I, I, I dig it. Just a quick just a quick sidebar. Where do you mm-hmm. see the Kraken long-term future going? This is something I've been asking myself lately looking at that team because they don't have a great prospect pool. They don't have a lot of up, young, up-and-coming talent on their team. They're just a surprising team that can play with anybody right now, but we've seen that only gets you so far. So it's kind of weird. Like Jared McCann is the only guy who hasn't played like a second line forward all year for Seattle, but they've got like four second lines and they play really well as a team. But yeah, I'm it's, it's almost like they're, it's like they're Columbus when Columbus beat Tampa and then became dog shit again. I sorry, okay. that's another dollar. That's three dollars in the jar. Just three dollars. <laughs> I'm I am racking it up. I you know what? Let's let's uh moving on. Moving on. Keep track of it. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um they're just they they feel like that team that I don't want to call them a one hit wonder. Because I think they'll be a meddling team, maybe a bubble team next year. They led that Pacific Division for a while this year. But that's not who they are. I'm with Grandy. I don't think they have a very deep prospect pool. They're not going to have a great pick this year. Granted, it is a deep draft. Somebody might fall. They might be able to add to it. But Matty Beneers already graduated out of their, their prospect pool. We'll see where Seattle picks this year who maybe they're able to package and acquire I don't see them being a long term threat I I think this is kind of a one off thing for them I was going to say I think if I had to put it into one sentence I'd say enjoy it while it lasts I think uh, like you said I mean, no prospect pool I mean this is a flash to pan enjoy it I mean hey hopefully you get the cup and you don't have to worry about anything you can brag about that but if you don't eh, you might be hitting the mediocrity train for a good while after this so hey good luck Chuck I will say I will say Vegas started out the same way where they were looking the same way, but they went and sold all their futures to serve yeah. this run for as long as they can. And once that bill comes to it, it's going to come to hard for Vegas. Oh, yeah. Vegas will be bad for a while. I think a big difference for Vegas, though, was Vegas really manipulated the um, expansion draft. And getting guys like Marshall, Riley Smith, Mark Andre Fleury, who wasn't 40 at the time, they kind of got some pieces, though, that you could say they're an older group with Fleury. Um, they were younger, underachieving guys who kind of came into it. I don't see that with Vegas. Um, Vince Dunn had a phenomenal year, but Vince Dunn wasn't a 21 year old this year. You know, he he had a, a great year. He quarterbacked their power play. I think he finished with, somebody might have to correct me here, like 61 points or something like that, 62, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
he had an unbelievable year, and I don't see it happening again next year. Jared McCann scored 40 goals. I don't think anybody had that on their punch card. So it, he almost feels like the uh, um, William Carlson of Seattle, where he had that phenomenal year and then kind of comes back down. Vegas did add pieces, but Vegas also picked three times in the first round in year one, and they had pieces to move to bring in NHL talent, and Seattle doesn't. So, yeah, Vegas has been able to sustain it, but they've gone out and they've added Pacioretty, they've added Jack Eichel. You know, they, they've put pieces into play there. Phil Kessel, everybody can snarkle at that, you know, but he's been part of this year's run. I don't see it with Seattle. I, I just don't think they have the capital to spend to bring in NHL talent. And then Grubauer is not Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, this has been, I, I wouldn't even call it a bounce back year, but so far in the playoffs, he's been good. But Grubauer is not Fleury, and he's not Logan Thompson. So we'll see where it goes. Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts. Well, before we get into the, hopefully the first annual, might be the second annual, not sure, uh, Trippin' Yotes Awards, I will quickly read that if you guys are missing out on your favorite NHL games of the week, you want to sign up for an ESPN Plus, your number one spot to watch NHL hockey by visiting inside the rink slash ESPN for more details and a free trial. Thank you very much for sponsoring this episode. On to the awards. So, to start out, boys. Let's start with the big one. MVP. If you had to pick, and this can be for any reason, any player you want, any reason, I'm pretty much open. Who would you say your MVP of this season? All right, you know, I'll even extend it to coaching staff if you'd like to, or off ice stuff. Whatever you think in the coach organization of this year, who do you say our MVP is? I'm going to go quick because I'm going to keep it on short, sweet, and simple. It's Clayton okay. the leading man, the face of the franchise. That's mine too, to be honest. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no one deserves it more in my personal opinion but matt what you got considering we're rebuilding i'm gonna go with ivan prozvatov coming in taking those losses late making sure we finish behind philly and are picking no worse than eighth this year no but the really it's clayton keller. i mean it's clayton keller like who else can you go with yeah i mean honestly i, I mean it it's yeah. less of a stretch to say prozvatov helped the tank so he's the mvp than it would be to go with Nick Schmaltz or Matthias Michelli, you know, being MVP and winning games. It's Clayton Keller. He's the only point-per-game player on the team. 86 points. I think he cleared everybody else by 30 points this year. That's unreal. When Nathan mm-hmm. McKinnon and when Nathan McKinnon lost to Taylor Hall, the argument for Nathan McKinnon winning the heart was that he had like 93 points or something like that. And the next highest was Miko Rantanen at 60, somewhere around there. Oh. And that you are the best player because of the disparity between you and the rest of your team. 86 points. And I think Schmaltz had like 51 or something like that. That's to me, that's Clayton Keller. You can't argue that. He was by far the team's best player. Oh yeah. For sure. Now moving on to most improved. Would you also say Clayton Keller, Matt, or was that you're picking somebody else? Your most improved player. I'm going the other way here. And, and it's, 
it's a toss-up between Matthias Michelli and Barrett Hayton. And I'm going to actually go Barrett Hayton here. And the reason being, yes, Michelli had, what, four points or five points last year in 24 games. Not a great NHL number. But his two years playing overseas in a pro league, he was pretty close to a point-per-game player. In the NHL, he was the Roadrunners' leading scorer for quite a while last year. So playing as a pro, Matthias Michelli has done great things, and the NHL was the next step. I didn't necessarily see last year being, you know, at one goal, four assists, or whatever it was, being who he was going to be in the NHL. I, I always thought there was going to be more to that. Barrett Hayton, slow start, but if you look at what Barrett Hayton did over the second half of the year, he's a 30-goal, 30-assist guy if he does that consistently over a year. He played incredibly well in the corners. He dug pucks out. He was a matchup-type center. He could play against other teams' best lines. Barrett Hayton took a huge step this year, and this is after last year when everybody thought he took a big step at the end of the year. Barrett Hayton, to me, is no longer a bust. He's no longer a really good third-line center who the Coyotes could use going forward. He's potentially the Coyotes' number 2C going forward as a 60-point guy who can match up well against other teams. He's not Ryan O'Reilly big and Ryan O'Reilly physical, but he plays defense like Ryan O'Reilly does. And if his career takes off, like we saw in the second half of the season, he could score in the way Ryan O'Reilly does. I don't think he'll ever win a Selkie, but he might end up in that conversation at some point in his career. I think he took a huge step to me. He's the most improved player for the Coyotes. All right, Granny, what you got before I go? I had the same guy, Barrett Hayton. I, I did think, too. I don't think 23 games enough to consider a most improved award for Machelli. I think that's more along the line of a award that's coming later. But I think Barrett Hayton just, yeah, he went for bust. He went from a guy everybody was begging to be off the team at this year. Go back and read a lot of tweets about him. Wondering why is well, we had a subject too. We had we asked that question too. Is Barry so, Hayton a bus? We asked it was one of our pot topics. So, mm-hmm. and I think we said be patient, and we did. Look at that. We did say be patient, but so look uh, at that once again. Yeah, he finished the, the way he finished the year, reinserted himself back into the core, reinserted himself as the Coyotes' future matchup center. Just again, all good. This is say about Barrett Hayden the way he ended the year. And I would yeah. like to point out, I was a little bit worried about what what would happen with his production if he wasn't playing with Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. And towards the end of the season, we saw him with Michelli and Kraus. And he really didn't drop off. The assists, a little bit. Um, but that might happen when you go from playing with a Clayton Keller who scored 37 and Schmaltz, who had 21 in, like, 56 games, to Kraus and Michelli, who combined for 
I think less goals than Clayton Keller did all season. But Barrett Hayton was still scoring, still creating chances, still playing good defense. It really was a much improved season for him. And it's not like he was doing anything wrong early in the season. The offense just hadn't come in yet, but he was still shutting down other teams. And his game was still there. The defense was there. The penalty killing was there. It was a phenomenal season for him. And it went a long way towards validating him as being a long-term piece for the Coyotes. Yeah. Like I said, I remember we had a pot topic. At, and I think we have some uh, listener questions, too, if I remember right. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think we had some asking about Barrett Hayden. I'm really glad that, well, one, we said be patient, but that he is coming in that player. He's a good kid. And I, I'm glad that he's become that core piece yeah. he needed. So, because we said, we said exactly that, be patient and watch his defense, his mm-hmm. defense penalty killing. So, that's the turning yeah. effect, I would say. So, next we have breakout player of the year. Grandy, do you have a breakout piece? Yeah, it's Matthias Michelli. I mean, the way he just came onto the, sh- the show this year was dynamic. His passing is truly next level. And he started shooting the puck towards the end of the year. And go figure, once he started shooting the puck, it was going in. But, yeah, it's just, again, he he was special this year. Part of what made this year fun as a Coyotes fan. Matt, what about you? So I'm going to go Yusuf Alamaki. Oh, damn it. Oh, granted, <laughs> granted he wasn't a coyote. He I wasn't know. a coyote last year. He spent most of the year in the AHL. Um, Valimaki's NHL career high prior to this year was 11 points. He had two goals and nine assists in 2020-2021. Um, 34 points this year. He played top-line minutes. He quarterbacked the top power play. Saw some penalty kill minutes. He was by far the Coyotes' best defenseman. And he was on waivers. The Coyotes got him for free. The Calgary Flames thought he was bad enough they could send him down. And he he was the Coyotes' best defenseman. I think that's a huge step for him, especially coming off of the ACL injury. Um... Granted, he has the draft pedigree that says he should be this type of player. I think he lived up to it this year, similar to the way Barrett Hayton did. Um, Valimaki, I think, went 25th overall. Um, defensemen do take a little longer to... I think this was his breakout year. I think this was his biggest improvement year to year. Um, to me, yeah, he's, he's a breakout player. Because I, I don't think going into this year, and granted, Gostaspare and, and Chikrin were traded, but at the end of the year, I think I'd still put Valimaki ahead of both of those guys in terms of a complete game. And he was a better defender than Gostaspare, and I think he was equal in terms of what Chikrin was able to do in Chikrin's limited games. Um if he can play at that level, yeah, he's to me he's a breakout player. Yanni Torney effect. I think it's I really think he is I actually wrote an article about it on the Arizona Sports Underground. You know, if you guys want to check that out when you're done with this episode. 
if you're not sick of hearing from me at the end of this episode, that is. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely uh, the breakout player for me as well. So now I have one, which I guess I worded kind of weird that I, I read it again. But uh, favorite defender. Now I'm throwing goalies into that as well because I just wrote favorite defender down. So that works out. So on the defensive side, besides Falamoculus, let's go ahead and maybe pop him out of there. Who would you say was the best on the blue line slash goalie crease this year? Um, Connor um, Ingram, actually. I, and I know Vimelka was phenomenal to start the year. Ingram had a slow start. Connor Ingram played lights out down the stretch. I'm actually kind of upset that it was Vimelka and Prosvetov, mostly Prosvetov, but those two down the stretch. Um, Ingram played unbelievably well. Uh, I don't think he helped the tank down the stretch, but I think he has earned a spot next year. Um, Prosvetov has to clear waivers. There's that conversation about whether or not he might clear what the Coyotes might do with Vimelka or Ingram because of that. If it comes down to it, uh, Pro- I'm sorry, Ingram is the guy you have to keep. I, I do think there's there were some great things this season out of him. And he potentially might be the goalie of the future, even over Vimelka. All right. So, Granny. I tried dumping in because I knew Matt was going to steal my guy. And I heard. Did. I heard. Um, Connor, they want to change it or stick with it? Connor Ingram. Connor Ingram. Another guy who started the season looking really bad. But as good as Veggie was at the start of the year, there might not have been a guy damaging to the tank than Connor Ingram. He played some out hockey. Even then, because Clayton Miller was scoring a goal, two goals, having two-point games when you're going 3-2. If you don't have Connor Ingram him up during those, we're getting blown out to them too. Um, so I don't think there was a player more damaging to the team single usage than Connor. Um, that's a good thing for him going, going forward, even if it was a bad thing for the Coyotes draft pick is slotted. Ingram, he was just absolutely electric for large stretches this off season. Well, this season, unfortunately, I think he's the Coyotes goaltender least likely to stay because he is an RFA. And uh, Milka is under contract, and I do think you're going to have to choose between one of those two. But he was fantastic for so many games. Whereas Milka really fell apart during the middle of the season, a couple times at the end. So, yeah, it's Ingram for me. All of Milka was doing was just being tank commander, bro. He was just playing his role. He knew what he was doing. He was he was just tanking on purpose. He knew. Those weren't collapses. Those were just Yeah, they're collapses. But so now let's move on to our on ice you didn't, ice you didn't memory of the coyotes. Oh, that's right. Yes, I didn't go. Uh well shoot. I was gonna say Valamaki, but I forgot my own rule. I can't pick him. So <laughs> JJ Moser, why not? I like him. Cool guy. Next. On to the 
<laughs> under the <laughs> this is the kind of analytics you only get on this podcast this is this is what we're here for boys. this is what i'm here for this is what we do if someone's going to add the odd answer it's going to be me so <laughs> now on to the favorite on ice or off ice memory can be anything can be a certain goal you liked it could be jersey unveilings matt are you want to go yep perfect good all right so I'm going to go with the Matt shot celebration of life, uh, back in January. Um, I, and that, that was a big deal to me. Um, I'm sorry. That was actually from a year ago and I'm, I'm still going with that just because between skate for Layton, Matt shot, the coyotes do so much off the ice when it comes to growing the game. Um, uh, to me, there's nothing more important than what those those two did to help grow the game in Arizona. And Skating for Layton being something that the Coyotes hold annually that helps uh, you know, bring money into charities, helps grow the game for the youth, uh, what Matt Shot did for some of the youth programs in Arizona, um, the Coyotes saw three different youth, and granted they weren't all girls, but um, they saw three different uh, age groups com- compete for national titles this year. Uh, the Coyotes have done so much to grow the game off the ice in the state of Arizona that Arizona's never had before. Um, so to me. It's Matt Shot skating for Layton. It's everything the Coyotes do off the ice. Um, to me, that's that's it. Like that. That's my. That's what I look forward to reading every single season. Is is what the foundation does. Um, it will it will always be seeing growth in Arizona more more so than the Coyotes. You know, Clayton Keller tying Keith Kachuk or, you know, Valimaki breaking out or, you know, a surprise like Matthias Michelli, you know, fighting his way into the Calder. It will always mean more to me that, you know, the U18 and U19 and U16 are, are competing on a national level. Those are the stories to me um, that, that mean so much more. If I may go second, Granny, if you don't mind. Um, so just to add to that, I mean, that is something I love too. Uh, I had a personal loss with cancer myself, but just how, I mean, God, you nailed it perfectly. That's one of my favorite team of all time. Of all the teams I like, the Coyotes are number one. It's like number one, blank, 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 blank. And then the beloved next year, hopefully Chelsea football club. But, uh, my favorite memory is actually just the, I mean, just the embracing of one, the situation we're in of sharing the college barn. And then two, just, Although they're very expensive, the streetwear brands, the the Arizona Knights jerseys, and truly embracing this state. We're not pretending to be, what was that terrible one? Not your father's original six, an absolute terrible tagline that I'll never forgive them for. But we are embracing Arizona, the state that I love. I've lived away from it for 11 years and ran back as soon as I could. Uh, just, and I, and I love that. I love that we do things community more than, I mean, I can't think of a hockey club that does more to grow the game. And this is obviously, I'm more in the Cardi sphere, so I'm willing to admit that as well. That does more to grow the game here, and especially for all genders, like you said, the Kachina girls. You have the women's hockey here, the Growlers, the you know adult leagues. 
that's amazing. It, it makes it me very, very fortunate and blessed to love this hockey club. So my favorite thing is just that, embracing Arizona, Arizona Ice Church, especially. They were gorgeous. I did not like them at first, but seeing them on the ice, man, they are gorgeous. So with that being said, Grandy, what you got for us? Now I feel a little embarrassed because <laughs> I had these two shallow, fun answers. And you two throw these deep personal impacts. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> but you're not crying over there. Right? I have two. I have two going. I have my on the ice moment of Clayton Keller tying the. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> I have pressed the. Uh, for those not, uh, who didn't hear that, well, you won't hear it because the audio. I have a soundboard. I accidentally bumped the quack. So he's talking and it just goes quack, middle of his speech. But, anyways, <laughs> keep on going. Sorry. <laughs> that was an accident. So, I tried to click was, off of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was the. Uh, like Clayton Keller tying the Coyotes leading points because this is a guy who I've battled for for his entire career. The basis of my and Tyler's friendship started over us arguing back and forth about Clayton Keller <clears throat> on Warzone. Um, I remember that. Yep, just t- just beating back and forth until I until I successfully switched my mind on this. Yeah, it, definitely. You you became the biggest Keller supporter I knew outside of myself. So watching him, watching him get that this year was just special to me. My off the ice moment is a very very recent one, and the one where Xavier Gutierrez is in the debate that they had the other night about. Oh, yeah. Uh, Propositions coming up, and the one woman talks about this Mr. Alex Morello, who, who let his buildings get to such a bad state, etc., 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 and he just responds back with, uh, first of all, you have a wrong Alex Morello. That is not this Alex Morello. So please do your research better. And just, oh, I was laughing so hard. Clapping so hard, it was just an awesome comeback. So there, there's yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Yep, and this thing too to add to that, Cardi's fans out there, as as rabid as we all are, and I love that. Let's let's be respectful to the Tempe first supporters. I know, you know, obviously, you know, say what you got to say and say, hey, you refer to this or whatever, but let's keep the cursing down. Let's look good, make the Cardi's look good. We're in a way representing them. Let's just be easy on that, but. All right. Anything to add before we kind of get on to my question of the week and send these people on their way? Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Like everybody be respectful except the Lauren Kuby because Oh yeah. Man, I, I don't know what it is with her and you know, she was a huge supporter of all of the breaks for everybody except the Arizona Coyotes and then come to find, you know, she's registered on Geosports as an owner. Um, and she's out bad mouthing oh, the coyotes. Is that the and, one built like Squidward? Uh, no that that's the lady that, that you're talking about. The one that's knocking on doors, like yeah, 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 the one about, built like Squidward. Yeah, yeah, no that that that's the girl who's knocking on doors, lying about stuff. Lauren Kuby is a uh, a big part of yeah. She was she was on the Tempe City Council. <laughs> yeah, be respectful, and then that's what you say, Tyler. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she Lauren Kuby was. Uh, I want to say she was vice mayor on the Tempe City Council, uh, but she's been a huge opponent of the Coyotes, uh, thrown them under the bus at every corner she can. But there's a clear conflict of interest between Lauren Kuby and the Coyotes. Um, uh, from a, a standpoint of sports betting, and I, I feel like that's where where her stance comes from. Um, her and I believe it's her husband and like six other people are all tied into geo geo fantasy sports, which has to do with sports betting. And you know, Alex Morello is trying to bring a sports book to Tempe. She's against the giplets, you know, the tax breaks. All of that, but she was in support of the Cardinals building a stadium in Tempe with a 99-year tax-free proposal. But she's against it with the Coyotes. Ask yourselves why. You know, there, there's there's a personal uh, reason there. All the money? Question mark. Yeah, question there, mark, there's a personal mark. reason there. She's going to hmm. suffer a financial loss. From the Coyotes setting up shop in Tempe, from Alex Morello setting up shop in Tempe, um, this whoever she is, Doctor Rhetorica, who spoke at the the debate, uh, another one. Uh, she didn't even have her facts straight when it came to who was getting sued. Yes, Morello family, not Alex Morello. That that that's a very important piece there. I mean, Tyler, if if your cousin went out and fucked up and got sued. Do you want it associated with your name? Well, no. Whether it's cousin, brother, whoever, somebody in your family, that shouldn't be tied to you because it it doesn't mean that you're the same person. And that's what yeah. she's attacking. So yeah. I mean, that's all I for, got. I mean, for anybody that watched the debate that might have thought, well, maybe Morello's not, you know, what Grandy said, Gutierrez came out, said it right away. You got the wrong Morello. That's not who it is. You know what the so, Tempe first remind me of though? They remember that kid in like elementary school or middle school that like remind the teacher they forgot to click the homework. Like, bro, just what what are you what are you accomplishing here? Really? I mean, what are you actually doing? You know, you're, you're yeah. getting rid of a free arena. I mean, a free. You're not paying like the only taxes you're cleaning up your mess. I, I cannot get over how this has any real opposition outside of a couple. I don't know. People just don't well, like. And, I don't know. I can't think of a reason. And when you get to the 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 woman built like Squidward, as you would say, <laughs> um, you know we're we're getting we're getting into the whole identity behind yes and no. There's there's been a lot of false information put out there solely for the purpose of a no vote because a no vote doesn't mean anything changes. So be careful what you read. Anybody that says this bad thing and that bad thing and whatever will happen, there's no recourse to saying, yeah, he's going to get X amount of years of tax-free and the city has to pay him this and whatever to sway votes because voting no doesn't change anything. Voting yes does. Voting yes allows the Coyotes to build an entire entertainment district. That's what creates change. That's what creates all these jobs. So... Be careful when somebody tells you, you know, all the bad things because there's no recourse for lying about what's bad. But you can't go out and say, we're going to create 6,900 jobs and then not actually create any jobs. 
you you actually have to follow through on these things if voters vote yes. So the coyotes can't come out and tell you that these things are going to happen and then not let them happen. Whereas the opposition can say, look at all these bad things and those bad things may never happen, whether you vote yes or no. One thing that I've, well, I guess that's really bugging about this whole talk, this whole debate, this whole everything is this talking from position of, well, let's just wait for something better to come up. Let's just wait until this offer comes. So that offer comes in what offer? How many offers did Morello have to beat out again? Zero. It's zero, How right? People... Yeah, I think he was the only one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the only one. He's been the only one. It's a landfill. It's a dump. It's costing the city to maintain it. And it's had a couple fires since this whole thing has started, which, again, costs the city to put out. It's not like this is something that's sitting there costs nothing and they can just wait on forever until it comes no it's it's currently city property that nobody else is going to want that is in prime valuable spot that this prime valuable piece is going to come nobody's going to buy this property and put low income housing there because you need to profit you're not going to turn a profit off of that well then it's also like how many times have you driven just in any city phoenix whatever doesn't matter you've driven past like a blank lot and you're like man something really cool would go right there like you thought of some store like oh, i'd be a good location for blank it's the same thing but you're getting an arena built for like it's i don't get like i, I really can't outside of people being lobbied i don't understand how a free arena over a dump that like you said lit fires cost them money is a better alternative so, I mean, we'll see. You know, the vote is, what, May 16th? So I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, Yeah, I think mail-in mail ballots went out yesterday, I believe, okay. uh, for cool. anybody registered to vote. And it's like you said, this is a free cleanup, basically. You're getting an entire entertainment district out of it, and it's not coming out of taxpayers' pockets. There was an article recently that talked about a $73 million cleanup cost. And why Tempe should just clean it up and sell the land to another developer. But there's no, nobody else came to the plate to bid when the coyotes did for that parcel. So what people are suggesting is Tempe spend $73 million to clean it up and try and sell it. But what happens when it doesn't sell that $73 million of Tempe taxpayer money that was spent that puts Tempe in the red when this just comes in, it gets rid of the landfill, it creates jobs, it creates tax revenue for anybody that visits this district. And only this district. It doesn't affect people that decide they don't want to go eat there, shop there, see a game there. It doesn't come out of anybody's pockets except people that actually go there and spend money. And, and what happens if they clean it up? And the only deals that they get offered, the only people that were willing to come in and buy it, also want the special tax district because this is a very common thing. It's asked with very, very many large construction projects of which anything that happened here would be. It's not a guarantee that anything better is coming along. 
you're risking $73 million for nothing. No gain. And then what happens when you kick this even farther down the road and Phoenix Airport Sky Harbor has begun to expand and now you definitely can't do any type of high-rise or apartment living because now runways have been extended and, and there's been growth from the Phoenix side. And now you can't get anything like that in there and you're limited to shopping centers or an arena or something along that effect that the Coyotes are trying to get in there right now anyway. But now you don't have any suitors for that. This, this is the best thing that's going to come along to Tempe. Whether you're a sports fan or not, this is the ultimate arena deal. This is the ultimate shopping district, the ultimate food district. You're getting all of it, and it's not costing taxpayer money. It's getting rid of a landfill that caught fire twice last year and has costed taxpayers money over the last years. It's kind of a no-brainer. Everybody needs to be voting yes on this. TempeWins.com, tons more information on it. Um, yes, what Tyler said, be polite, be courteous to the Tempe first people, uh, but take everything they say with a grain Don't of salt. Don't say look because... like Squidward. I said they're built like Squidward, not they look like Squidward. A little different there. But let me add but... something else before we get on my question of the week. Keep in mind, people listening, Grandy lives in Minnesota. He has truly, I mean, outside of being a Cardinals fan, he has really no real skin in the game, right? He's not going to see these tax money. He's not going to really go to the district once, twice a year, you know, if that. So, but he also knows the landfill caught on fire twice. He also knows the ins and outs. So it's like, it's, it's amazing to me, Tempe first people. I'll be polite and say, do your research. The guy from Minnesota's beating you. Now onto my question of the week. Let's go ahead and end that peacefully. So, gentlemen, my question of the week that I bring to you is similar to last week. So I got inspired. After uh, while well, I was editing, so let's say you can trade a franchise from either of the can I call it five five sports in this country? We have the MLS, MBA, NBA, MLB, NFL, and obviously us. You can trade a name slash city if you want. So, for example, just a cruel example, example only. Bringing the Diamondbacks in exchange for, I don't know, the, the Sharks. Okay, so now the Diamondbacks are a hockey team and Sharks, whatever. So that's my question for you this week. You can swap at any sport you want with an NHL franchise of your choice. Can it be the city? Can it be just the mascot? You think, hey, you know, the Sharks are a much better basketball mascot, whatever. However you want to handle it, it's up to you. Do you guys have yours? Now you're going to have to take this one, Tyler. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. need a second here. Okay. See, I, that's why I almost thought to give this one to you guys before I just see so you kind of have something in the background going. But if I had to pick, I think I don't know where I put. It. I actually wrote it down. Shoot. Oh, maybe I need to think about it too. But um, I would think that I actually would probably swap the lightning for the devil rays and call them the devil rays again. I'll restore the devil rays. I think that is just a cooler name. And this, I can, I can work with the aesthetic of a devil ray. Where lightning's bad. I like the lightning. Don't get me wrong, but devil rays just hits. That is a great name for a franchise. That's what I'm swapping. You can keep the hockey okay. players if you want. You don't have to trade for baseball players. You can keep the, the players, you know, unless you want to swap a baseball player and why not? But go ahead. Utah's Utah's still going to be stuck with a bad team, a bad team name, a team name that doesn't fit. Okay. 
But please, for the love of everything, can we please get the jazz back in the city of New Orleans where it belongs? Okay. Uh, what are you talking about? That's so irritating that you said that because just before you said that, I was like, you know what? If they could move the jazz back to New Orleans, that would be cool. But who do we send the other way? And then, you say, go like, and, and then you go and say that, and I'm like, damn it, Granny. Giving, it could be the same. I'm, That's okay. I'm giving them the Saints. I'm giving them the Saints, which was painful to do because I understand the reason. I understand the history there. But I'm going to give them the Saints because at least they have that in Utah. So, but the Jazz, it just, this Jazz needs to be more like End of story. They're supposed to swap an NHL team for a different team. One team goes to the oh, NHL, one team what? goes to the other sports league. No, you know what? I, I'm, okay, I'm switching up your question. I like Grandy's answer, and you're going to okay. have to live with that. That's fine. Tyler. Uh, well, I guess I that works. <laughs> Matt's question of the week. NHL team, too, I can do. Okay, do both. How about, we'll do both. How about that? We'll add it to it. The Minnesota are getting the stars back. The Dallas Stars Ooh. can be the Dallas Wild. Dallas Wild. That just sounds so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know that I, that I don't works. know. Oh, I like the North Stars. Okay, that's a cool uh, idea. I'm with you, but I don't know, man. The, the North Dallas Stars Wild just sounds so weird. Well, I get why they're called that, but oh man, uh, just the Dallas Wild though. The, so the Dallas can. So, so what about there with that poor name and? So what about what about switching yeah. like the Dallas Stars for the Minnesota Timberwolves? So. The Minnesota Timberwolves become the North Stars, and the Dallas Stars become the Dallas Timberwolves. I like it. How many Timberwolves? I don't know why I like it, but I like it. How many? I mean, I'm sure there's trees in Dallas. There's got to be trees in Dallas. It's not very wild in Dallas either, though. Timberwolves is a very wild in Dallas animal that is really only in Minnesota. So what if they're the wolves? I mean, there might be wolves yeah. in Dallas. You just take Denver you drop the wolves. There. That works. Oh, that's... That works. So that works I'm gonna go the Lakers, anyways. Uh, actually, according to Google, there are no wolves anywhere near Dallas. So I guess it wouldn't work. There are no Dallas <laughs> wolves in Dallas. <laughs> so I mean, hey, whatever. There's been. I mean, there's Utah Jazz. I mean, there's weirder names. So I mean, they're I guess not, there's that. Dallas isn't very wild either, so it can be the Dallas. I was gonna say, yeah, Dallas Wild's not. Yeah, I've been. In, I mean, it's got wild traffic. If you count that, the thirty-five up there is always under construction. So, all right, so I'm gonna step outside of the five professional teams. We're okay. gonna switch the Pittsburgh Penguins with the Alaskan Aces NCAA team name. So why the fuck, an NHL team. Why the fuck? Sorry, that's two dollars. <laughs> the Penguins in Pittsburgh. There's no this, Penguins in Pittsburgh except at the zoo. There's no the power of alliteration, no baby. Alaska, the power of alliteration. But you know what? They're closer to Alaska than they are to Pittsburgh. Actually, so, no, they're not. They are further away because they are a helpful thing. Boom. You know what? I, I am sure. I am sure. There's at least one penguin. In the Arctic Circle, there has to be. Okay, let's see. What There's more says. penguins in Pittsburgh. There's more penguins in Pittsburgh than there is in Alaska. Are there penguins in the Arctic Circle? I'm googling it right now. Uh, 
<laughs> Although there are no penguins in the Arctic today, there are many fascinating connections between the polar north and our beloved tuxedo sweethearts of the south. So no, I guess there are no penguins in the Arctic Circle. <laughs> There's no timber wolves in da- or any wolves in Dallas. So I guess we're just gonna completely just Pittsburgh. I like the alliteration. <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates, Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh Steelers. What a great alliteration theme they have going on out there. I mean, it makes perfect sense. You think? All right. It. Well, if we can't do that, you can. I'm not gonna stop you. I mean, then maybe, choose. maybe it's the Buffalo Sabers, and because the Sabers just don't fit in Buffalo, like no. mm-hmm. that that feels like a, a southeastern team. Like Buffalo you, you got to switch Sabres them with the like, Wings. yeah, the okay. So the Sabers and the Red Wings that that would make a little bit of sense. I don't know that yeah, Sabers okay. fits Detroit, except for like people get stabbed there all the time. So maybe is there a, a Buick with Saber? That's a car built in Detroit. GM yeah, model. I mean, maybe oh. that works. I I was going with the darker route. You know, people in Detroit get stabbed all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you know, family friendly show. And, you know, and Buffalo could be the wings. That that makes a ton yeah. of sense there. That'd be cool. So yeah, I mean, maybe you could do that. But yeah, the the Sabers that doesn't make sense in Buffalo. I was thinking like Florida because you know you got like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like yeah, the the Sabers make sense there, but I couldn't see anybody. What? from florida going north like that that wouldn't make sense like it's not going to be the dolphins it's not going to be the bucks it's it's not going to be the devil rays like none of those make sense in buffalo but i i do like grandy's right there the wings and the sabers that's that makes sense to me that's a good switch and then for switch. the for the uh, for the logo you can do a, just a hot wing dipped in blue cheese there it is. Celery stick. Didn't bring hockey back do something like that, though? Do they have, like, a chicken wing jersey or something that, like that they made? I'm pretty oh. sure that is exactly where I got that from. That is exactly why I thought of the Red Wings first. I think it was. I was like, I think someone did that. It might have been, I don't know, one of those. You know what? Or or you could swap the Canucks and the Alaskan Aces. Because I guarantee there's killer whales in Alaska. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. But Canucks isn't a killer whale. Canuck is a term Canadians are called. But the, but logo, mascots, the logo is definitely a fish. It's a whale. It's a fish. Well, a dolphin, anyway. It's a dolphin. But a Canuck is not a fish. It is a person yeah, but I'm, I'm, yeah, but but Tyler's question was, you could swap the mascot, the logo, the name. There I'm, you go. So you're just swapping the logo. I'm, I'm swapping the logo, yeah. Another one I would do would be the uh, Vegas Aces. To the LA Kings because Kings, Raiders, and Knights, they all go together. I think it'd be cool to have that. I mean, I know you have two hockey teams, but Sounds I think like it's a still Disney be sweet. movie like Aladdin oh, and, uh, and the three desert sports teams. Well, I guess they'll build an A soon. I'm about to have the athletics yeah, here in a minute. That, that broke today. That's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, that was for crazy. Anybody that, that wasn't paying attention, the Oakland A's are moving to Vegas. Um, Vegas A's. They announced. They amount, announced today that they have found some land in Vegas that they're very interested in buying. They've had no luck in Oakland. I think their attendance um, was like 3,600 for a game over the weekend against the Cubs. Also, against the Cubs. Like the, the Cubs are they're a draw, a national draw. Mm-hmm. And you only average 3,600 people. The Coyotes in their College rink average more than what Oakland 
averaged for a baseball game. Ouch. Nothing says you need to move more than one of the most popular sports in the end. And it's not a knock on the Coyotes and not a knock on them playing in a college arena. Baseball is America's pastime. Football is the only thing in the United States that outdraws baseball. And the Oakland A's drew less. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Well, I don't know that basketball outdraws baseball because there's still plenty of teams that average 40,000 fans in baseball. Um, The Yankees do it. The Red Sox do it. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's, that's it's why. not to say that it's not to say I, that baseball or basketball is more more popular. But in terms of draws, you know, there's baseball teams that draw forty thousand fans, and the Oakland A's averaged ten percent of that to start oh, this year. Sad. I feel for those you know, A's fans. The hockey hockey is uh, the fourth or fifth largest sport in the U.S. And the smallest arena right now, the Coyotes play in. It's not a secret. 4,600 fans, and the A's have averaged, not averaged, but the A's have had games where they've had less fans than one of the, you know, bottom five teams in hockey who play in a non-traditional hockey market. Nothing says move a baseball team more than that. Yeah, it still I will sucks say if you are that one A's fan. My first reaction... My first reaction to seeing that news was that Ken Kendrick is crying in his beer because we all know how desperately he wanted to be the first guy to, to move to Vegas. And Austin. He also checked out Austin, too. I remember that. He went to Austin and checked out something by the Circuit of the Americas thing, too. And I was, that pissed me off. Well, swear jar. Yeah, but, but I guess he figured it out. Baseball's not going to let the D-backs move for the same reason hockey's, or the NHL's not going to let the Coyotes move this is too big of a market no, the, the market you too need big. to corner this market you need to corner this mm. market if you want to grow as a league especially because maricopa county is the biggest growing county in the country for what like two years in a row now so i mean yeah why leave it makes no logistical sense or we can go to well, hamilton to be, to be fair if you look at the population that's moving into arizona they were all a's fans and raiders fans and yeah that's you true. know so yeah, are they, are they actually going to games i mean <laughs> Yeah, and all the fans are over here now. So that's why that's why the A's didn't have any bench. I feel like half their stadium I think is like dilapidated or something like that. I think I saw like an, a video about that somewhere. That like there's like a big section of just unsittable because it'll collapse or something. But I don't know. There there were a few photos from a couple of games this season where there were entire sections, like sections of 200 plus seats, and they had two fans sitting in that entire section. That's so that's bad. I mean... Mm-hmm. Even the D-backs, the I, lowest, it, didn't get that bad. We got pretty it, bad. It, it makes you wonder if they're even still trying to sell season tickets at that point. And if they are, I mean, uh, there's, there's minor league teams that, like single-A teams, that probably draw better crowds at that point. And I it's was, not like there's I mean, other sports in Oakland. There's no Raiders to go watch. I like what what else are people doing? Go to a baseball game. I mean, it's the only team you got left right now. Well, for now. I'm in multiple dynasty leagues for every sport. I prefer dynasty because of the keeper value. But anyway, and I was talking with some guy on there about the Oakland Athletics and 
their issues. And like, well, just look at them from a fantasy aspect. They have very few quality base players that you want on that team. They have very few quality prospects you want in your farm system. So where are they going? It's just, it's a sad state of affairs that they've allowed to get to this point. Largely because I think ownership has always wanted to move the team and this is used to. Well, I think, well, and, yeah, it has been because I think it's the game. last six years they have been wanting to say something. Because I remember, like, when Vegas got there, I know the A's, something happened with the A's. I don't remember what it was. I told my cousin about it earlier, but something with that about Vegas. And then I heard the D backs too, and they were about the Austin thing. But beside that, sorry about that, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, but it, it is what it is. I mean, if, if your attendance is 3,500 people to 5,000 people a game, it goes back to what Grandy said. Uh, you know, baseball markets. And their teams are based off of revenue. There's a reason the Yankees always have one of the highest payrolls in baseball. Their apparel is everywhere. Dodgers as well. Their apparel is everywhere. There's people that don't know a damn thing about the game wearing Yankees hats and Dodgers hats. Their stadiums are sold out constantly. These teams make money. They don't profit share the way the NHL does to keep teams afloat. There is no salary cap. So when it comes to who's going to put a great product on the field and who's not, if fans aren't showing up, there isn't revenue to bring in you know, a, a roster full of all-stars. And the A's can't do that. I mean, Moneyball was a, a fantastic movie example of what you have to do when you're not selling out games and when you don't have you know, $300 million to put to payroll. And when those big market teams catch up to you in the analytics, which has happened, you lose that edge. And then you don't have any edge whatsoever. Like they haven't for the last 10 years. Like the last, what, 30 years? Have they been done anything since? I mean, no, we haven't. I mean, D-backs, you know, 21 years ago or whatever, but I mean. Anyways, we're but how much we got a good team. Talk. Yeah, we sure have. It's a baseball I mean, pod now, moving, baby. Moving away from baseball, how much sense has Vegas made in general over the last couple of years when they were a city that didn't have a single major team for forever? I mean, they go and well, bring was the, same the Raiders in. in the yeah, I mean. Because we had Vegas the Suns in 68, then we really got the Cardinals well. in 88, and then we have you know us and the D-backs. So, yeah, it's, I don't guess it's like the new Phoenix, I guess. But, I don't know. Maybe, it's, but Vegas bringing in the Knights, what, four years ago, five years ago now? The Raiders have six. been there two years, six years. And the A's are moving there. They went from no professional sports teams to three in a 10-year span. And, and the market's done. Expanding yeah. there, too. Yeah, they are. And, yeah. and the market's mm-hmm. done so well. It, it's done unbelievably well, and it kind of makes you wonder what other markets might be out there. Granted, Vegas is uh, it's it's a money city. Uh, you know, everybody vacations there. Tons of people live there. It's a good market for betting. But it makes you wonder what other markets, maybe in the Midwest, might be out there. You know, Kansas City. Like Nashville would be a good spot. Nashville could be a good spot baseball. for a baseball team. Or I don't think Austin. You know, I don't think Austin would work. No, they're they're. I don't want to say they're close proximity, but there's a ton of of major sports teams in Texas. 
across all markets, football, baseball, basketball, college football being a huge thing, you know, you're you're trying yeah. to take a share of that. But if you look at the Midwest, um, you know, Nebraska doesn't have anything. Um, mm. Iowa doesn't have anything. There you might wonder if there's another market, maybe not quite the Vegas degree that might be untapped that we might see some teams or some some leagues look to expand to in the future. Well, and you that using that example, is there a less optimal spot in the entire country of the United States than a small town like Green Bay, Wisconsin, for a team yet has one of the most Milwaukee devoted fan bases? Not Milwaukee, he's a bigger Green Bay, far bigger. Green Bay is yeah. Green Green Bay's got ninety thousand people that live there, and a Holy stadium crap. that holds eighty eight thousand people, and they sell out football games. I, now, football granted, games you're not gonna in negative weather. They, it's so I I happen to be a Packers fan. Um, I I was fortunate enough to go to Green Bay six years ago, seven years ago and see the Packers and Seahawks play. This was a year or two after Seattle had won the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, watching Aaron Rodgers and Richard Sherman play against each other. Um, And a friend of ours, uh, of mine and my friend Tony, who went, um, got us tickets. Their family has season tickets. Um, The girl who gave us the tickets is on a waiting list herself. And she's 15 years out from getting season wow. tickets. Holy crap. So, yeah, I, I get what Grandy's saying. It's weird how yeah. certain markets work. Like right now in Arizona, you know, the Coyotes and attendance in the past and whatever, and Phoenix has, what, 5 million people are close to that yeah, in the like greater that, yeah. Phoenix area. And a city of Green Bay that's got 90,000 people can sell out an 80,000-seat arena it's crazy how sports markets work. Well, then you have the big house for Michigan out there in Ann Arbor. It's like, what, 100,000 people? That sells out all the time, too, which is crazy to think of 100,000 people in one little area. But And then if you go back to the original topic, I mean, how many people live in Oakland? And they uh, can only get 3,500 people to go to a baseball game. So, yeah, definitely weird how markets work and... And what works it's, and what uh, doesn't. But... 433,000 as of 2021. And that, I, I would imagine that's just the city of Oakland that doesn't count the mm-hmm. surrounding yeah. area. Yeah, it just is. And there's like one next to it, Berkeley is 117, but San Fran is 815. And that would be a lot more. I thought 10% were more people, but I guess not. And well, I mean, everybody's left there to come Again, to, to put that in perspective, again, the San Francisco Giants have no attendance issues whatsoever. No, not at Golden all. The Warriors. Across the river. Wow. No. No. Well, I think so it's also it... like apathy too, because like you guys said, I mean, like, what have what have the A's done in the last twenty years? After Moneyball, they haven't done anything. So I think it's just overall when you, your fan base knows you don't care, I think they check out too. Well, winning winning well, is like... everything. I mean, if if you look at the two teams in LA and football, the Chargers and the Rams. The Rams do really well, and the Chargers' attendance is terrible. Uh, winning does 
a lot for a franchise, and Coyotes fans need to keep that in mind. A couple of winning seasons in a new entertainment district, and this becomes a, a very, very solid hockey market. We've seen it in Florida with the Panthers over the last couple of years. Tampa Bay had the worst attendance in the world. They were playing in a baseball stadium for a little bit because they didn't have a home, and now all of a sudden they're selling out. So to Grandy's point, the market winning, what have you done lately? Man, does that play a huge, huge role in attendance? Yeah, it's it's like I said with last week with the whole Winnipeg thing. Winnipeg's been stuck in that mushy middle for five, six years, and it's starting to show in their um, attendance, which they are all credit where credit's due. They are an incredibly rabid fan base. So to have that show there, it shows you that it doesn't matter how crazy the fan base is, you need to put a winning product out. It's it just it's what matters the most at the end of the day in sports franchises and how they make money. Yeah, there, there might be five or ten teams across each individual league that you can talk about and say... It doesn't matter win or lose, fans are going to come out. You know, it might be the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers Cowboys, in baseball. Packers. It could be, yeah, the Cowboys, Packers, um, or you 49ers. Know, if they're pretty loyal. Basketball, yeah, 49ers as well. Basketball might be the Chicago Bulls, the New York Knicks. Like, there's certain teams that win or lose, you're going to draw. But the reality for all four major sports, even five, if you want to include the MLS, which is growing considerably quick. Um, fans show up to to winning teams for two-thirds of the league. You have to win. You have to put a good product out there to draw fans, unless you're in hockey, an original six team, or in baseball, you're a no. major team like... Even the original six was having uh, attendance issues before they got good. They oh, were. Yeah, Taves and they were. Yeah, they it, were. It, it doesn't necessarily make, yeah. make a team immune, but you you have to be in a major market where, you know, they, they live, sleep, eat, breathe hockey. That's all that they're, that's going it on is, in hockey. Really? Or in Honestly, baseball. New York. Yeah. Like, yep. I, that those are those are there's very few immune markets, very few, and yeah, we are seeing it with Chicago. Chicago had terrible attendance issues in the <laughs> 80s and 90s, they're starting to see it again. Attendance is dropped. They had something like six million people show up for their their third Stanley Cup parade, but they're not selling out games anymore. Uh, that's how quickly it can change, and we're talking about an eight year period of time. And there used to yep. be Chicago hats and jerseys and whatever, everywhere. everywhere. We don't see it anymore. That's mm-hmm. what winning does in, in sports. So in New England, so, I don't see new England crap anywhere. Thank God. No. I, yeah. I mean, I agree with you there that Patriots were, I, and granted everywhere. we're in Arizona. We're, we're 2000 miles away. And there were people wearing Gronkowski jerseys and Brady jerseys, Patriot hats. People like a winner. Man, it's just the plain and simple truth. People like a winner. Yep. They absolutely do. 
Because, I mean, if you think about it, too, let's like, go back to what you said earlier, it's like you get the chance, say you have 100 bucks to spend, right? You can either go see a baseball team, your local one that you know, all right, yeah, probably going to get blown out. But the hockey team's going to play this and win. You're going to go to the hockey team. You're, you're going to go to the hockey game because it's going to win. This is the way that it is. I mean, except for Tampa Bay Rays, for some reason they have issues, well, because they have one bridge, but yet they're really good. It's like they're the one anomaly to all this. It's like they're really good consistently, but yet no fans. Yeah, they're... They're what sixteen and they were sixteen and three going into tonight. I don't know if they yeah. played tonight or not, but they were they've got the best record in baseball and they're having mm-hmm. issues with attendance. But I if I remember right, they're kinda like the Florida Panthers who play in Sunshine. They're what, way out of town? And they have one bridge apparently that gets them from the Mesa. So you're jamming up this one bridge on a Tuesday night. You know, so it's like, of course, same with us in Glendale. I mean, getting to Glendale on during rush hour traffic, good freaking luck, dude. Yeah, during the week, that's tra- even, terrible. Even on a Saturday when traffic's not as bad, it was an hour. Like, I, my, mm-hmm. my buddy Stuart and I, we had season tickets a couple of years ago, and I live in Tucson, 130 miles away, and he lived in Scottsdale. And he would leave Scottsdale roughly 20 minutes before I would leave Tucson, and we'd get to the game at roughly the same time. Wow. If you want to talk about, like, how bad it is commuting across Phoenix, and and I I hear all the people in Toronto, well, you've never been in Toronto traffic and don't understand how long it takes to get to a game. Look, I get it. Big cities have traffic. Toronto is a slightly smaller area than Arizona, and it takes just as long. Well... You know what? We have that issue here. We're not in Canada. We're not an original six team. And we have a ton of transplants here. And some people are still traveling two hours to get to a game. That's how bad it was in Glendale. I don't think people outside of Arizona realize how important the Coyotes moving to Tempe actually is for this market. I live all the way in the Far East Valley, like Santan Valley. So for me, it's like a... 40 minute drive as compared to if it was in Glendale still it'd be like an hour and a half on a good day on a day where there was no accidents which could look on any of these roads I mean that's just ridiculous but yeah even, we should probably even the 202 opening like it helped like people don't understand mm-hmm. that it, it helped it cut the drive from an hour and a half to an hour for a lot of people but it was still an hour one way to get mm-hmm. to a game I drove Two and a half hours one way, but I was going from Central Texas to Dallas on purpose. Like I, it wasn't like a you know it was the one time the Coyotes played Dallas when I lived there. That's just insane. Like an hour in the same town, really the same metropolitan area. Like come on, bro, that that's that's ridiculous. But hey, hopefully the Tempe thing passes. Remember to vote May sixteenth. But I think boys, are we ready to wrap this up here? Get these guys home. Just real quick because I want. I'll give the viewer or the listeners a sneak peek behind the curtain, if you will. We talked about this. We were looking at the list. Like, oh, yeah, this will be a good short, maybe a little over an hour. Yeah. Let me see what time it is. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's a two-hour episode <laughs> now. <did> so. <laughs> I just, so I'm going to be editing for a while, so. So before we wrap this up, for anybody still listening, um, Grandy and I are going to do a mock draft this year. Each of us are going to do our own mock. We're going to assign dollar values to picks, and each of us are going to make a charitable donation to a charity of our choices 
Uh, I'm going to do the American Heart Association. Uh, Grandy, who's your charity? Uh, it's done for two years running now. National Alliance Against Mental Illness. If you've listened to this pod long enough, you know mental health is something I take very seriously. And yeah, I always look to promote that whenever I can. So what we're going to do is each pick that we get right, um, we're going to assign a dollar amount to each pick, 1 through 32, um, and we're going to make a donation based on our picks right. What we're asking our listeners to do, and we'll post a poll as soon as we do our mock draft show, which will be sometime middle of May, um, vote for whose draft you think is going to be more correct. Uh, who gets the most picks correct. And we ask that anybody pledge even 50 cents, a dollar, however much um, attached to their vote to commit to our charities and the the winning winning charity or whoever you think will win at that point. Um, all of this goes to a good cause. It's all just for fun. There's no prizes or anything like that. Um, We'll make this announcement on each show that we're going to do this. But the more interaction we get, the more fun it is for us as well. Uh, we want to know who you think. Uh, it's going to be me. Let's let's be honest. You know, yeah, I, I know what it. I'm talking about. Um, we want to know who you think has the better mock draft. And we'd like to see some money go to a good cause. So for me, American Heart Association, Grandy, um, for Nummy. mental illness. Uh, this this is uh they're both charities that we both hold dearly um and you know we'd like to have some fun doing so so everybody keep an ear out for that show um i believe we'll probably record that maybe may 15th or may 22nd should be out a few days after whichever date we decide to record we may look for you know a a third person to, to jump in with us we'll see how it goes but yeah, everybody keep an ear out for that. Keep an eye out for the poll. All right. Any last words, Grandy? Not that I'm murdering you. We're just ending the podcast. Oh, just that, that Matt thinks he's got it all, all, but just wait till he gets taken down by my mock draft. I know I'll have correct on you. That's all I got to say. I guess we'll see. We'll see in May. Drugs are legal up there in Minnesota, aren't they? It is devils. Just the edibles. Granny must be using a lot of those. Oh boy, here we go. So, with all that being said, boys, we'll see you next week. You guys have a fantastic night. Thank you for listening. And yeah, like I said, we'll see you next week.